Hey y'all, thanks for coming back for another week. It's nice to hear your voices. Well, now I don't hear your voices. That'd be really weird. That would be very, very weird. Um, so, you know, we're going to do that again. <laughs> hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Life's of a Gay Black Boy. And I'm your host, AJ. And I'm just here with you for a couple of minutes today because I also have the treat of the next episode of the Anything Show for you. But... I received a letter, and I also want to talk about what I received in that letter. Now, I won't read the letter verbatim because it's got a lot of personal information in it. But maybe somebody else out there is dealing with this right now. You receive a letter from somebody who was in your past. They can say they can be romantic or a friendship letter. And in this letter, it's explaining a lot of different situations after I found out said person spread a lot of my business around to a lot of other people and I didn't appreciate it that much. So I decided to let them know that I want to end the friendship and move on with my life. This was a few years ago and now they're popping back up and trying to get back into it. You know, I would say that I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm frustrated because the friendship ended. But I can't actually say it, it's a lie. That's actually a lie. And it's a lie because ending the friendship has done far more beneficial things to my life than I could have ever imagined. And I'm way happier than I have ever been. Now, I'm not saying that because this person's listening. I don't know if they listen to the podcast. If you do, I hope you receive the message that I just put out. And I'll let you know I received your message. But most likely they don't listen. And I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that fact. I just wanted to talk about this day because maybe you're at a point in your life where somebody's popping back in it or you don't know what to do. Maybe you're at a crossroads of, do I go back to what I was used to or do I keep continuing on to something new? And that's where I'm at right now. For myself in this situation, for me, it works for me to keep moving on in the direction I've been traveling as opposed to going backwards. And then sometimes for people, including me, it can be better to actually revisit the past and maybe define a brand new future. It's all how you look at it, where you're at in your life and what you're going to do. Now, I say this to the people who think like me at times, especially before I got into therapy. I always would be like, well, this person popped up and that must mean they really care. So let's go ahead and forgive them. And everything's all okay. There's nothing to worry about. That was the old Andrew. The old Andrew who wanted acceptance from a lot of people and who was happy that somebody was just thinking about them. Lo and behold, this person was probably thinking about me for money, a place to stay, a place to live, a car to drive, something to borrow, something to use. Now, I'm not saying that's the letter that I got today. Okay. (laughs) I'm just giving us some blanket scenarios here that anybody who's listening could possibly be going through because sometimes it feels better to go back to the past. Sometimes you get that nostalgic feeling or sometimes you just want to go back and try again because you know new information at this point. And if that is what you choose to do, feel free to do it. My only message is don't forget the path that you're on also has a future. So you decide where you want to go. You decide what you want to do. You decide who you want to be with and you decide who you want to be around you. And 
I think that is a powerful thing. It's a whole gargle jumble mess that I just put out in the world right now. And it may not make fucking sense to anybody, but to the person it makes sense to. I hope it helps in some way, shape or form. Hmm. That was sitting on me for a while. And I'm happy the letter I got today helped bring it to the surface so I can get it out into the world. I said it before and I said it again, y'all. When we hold things inside, it threatens the life that is inside of us. So if you got something, let it out, let it out, let it go. You just got to let it out and let it go. Don't hold on to it. You're not losing by holding on to the frustration, anger, or deterioration of the past. You're not losing by letting it go. You're not saying that the person who hurt you or took from you is winning or that what they did is okay. You're moving forward for yourself to continue on your path into the future. All right, y'all. So that was my Oprah message for the day. That's going to be it. I'm all good. It's nice to get it out. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this new episode of The Anything Show with John Francois and the co-host, me. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Follow The Anything Show on all of the socials at The Anything Show. And then on TikTok and The Gram, it's Anything Show Francois. Aside from that, y'all, I will be talking to you again very, very soon because Danny and I are getting back together for another episode to talk about your sexual and textual messages. And then you'll get another episode of Lifestyle with a very fanboying guest right now. Well, I'm going to have a fanboy moment. Um, I've never thought I would get the chance to speak this person, and now I'll have a chance to have them on the podcast. So, I know you guys are all going to enjoy it. I hope you all have a great week. I hope that you go out and maybe hug a snowman. If there's no snow near you, I hope you go out and kiss a cactus. Kiss a cactus. We're going to stop it there, y'all. Enjoy this episode. Ciao. All right. From Vermont to upstate New York, this is The Anything Show with John Francois, featuring Andrew Venderton of the Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy podcast. Now, here's that John guy. My girlfriend has COVID. All right, let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> All right, John Francois here with Andrew Vanderton from the Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, as we were recording this earlier this afternoon or this morning on my way to our Colchester, Vermont studios, my girlfriend Tony informed me that the fever that she's been having since yesterday uh, is COVID and I live with her and share a bed with her. So luckily or hopefully when I get home tonight, Andrew, I uh, have a negative test instead of a positive test results. Are you praying for me? I am praying for you. Fingers crossed and Sailor Moon and I will send you good things. Yay. All right. Well, while you guys are doing that, I guess we have to soldier on with the show. Uh, we got a great uh, interview later on with food coach Michelle Vilsack. Me and Andrew talked to her about how stress eating can ruin your sex life. That's when I really paid attention. Uh, actor Dana Hoot from Cobra Kai, the hit show on Netflix, and uh, the host of the Food Network game show Raid the Fridge. For our celebrity gossip, the face tattoo that Cardi B wants to have. Headlines, we talk about our NyQuil chicken. And you can listen, subscribe, follow, rate, review the Anything Show with Jean-Francois on Apple, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on social at facebook.com slash the anything show, Instagram and TikTok at anything show Francois. And we're also on YouTube. Check us out there as well. Uh, before we get started, a support for the Anything Show comes from great podcast platforms like Dystopia. Andrew, did you know that with more features and flexibility than any other platform, from unlimited storage and uploads to multiple networks, Dystopia has it all. Now, what all do they have, Andrew? J- just, just tell me, what, what, what all do you think they have? They have all of the things, audio updates. You can listen to other podcasts. You can do editing and uploading to multiple platforms. Yeah, and you know, private or exclusive episodes you can upload, which you could get paid for. Uh, you can distribute your podcast everywhere Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon. You could build a podcast profile page, which allows you to manage multiple episodes, have an embeddable episode web player all on a secure site. And then you have those unlimited downloads from your listeners that you can keep track of via the unique listener reports. Web player analytics are all integrated with the best technology analytics. On top of that, you get 24 7 world class customer support. Dystopia is going to give you all the creative freedom from your podcast with integrated merch. Just upload it all into one place. Then you can set your content to be downloadable or even stream only. Thanks so much to Dystopia for uh, sponsoring the Anything Show. And you know what, Andrew? Since I like a little bit of upbeat music in my background just to get the spice going, I want to acknowledge another sponsor of ours. Ooh, yeah. You, You hear that dance music, Andrew? I hear it. Yeah, it just gets you pumping, pumping, pumping. And of course, I mean dancing when I mean pumping. Um, let's see. Why do we say that? The podcast. Oh, I love this podcast. Andrew, did you get a chance to listen to it? Yes, I did get a chance to listen. Yeah, so it's a father and son podcast, Scott and Liam Kelly. Mind you, the father sounds like he's Bane from Batman, so you definitely have to tune in for that. They explain the meaning and etymology of everyday phrases and why we do say that. So, for example, Andrew, on their season one finale that I listened to on the way home from work, uh, they really dived into the origin of the word kowtow, K-O-W-T-O-W. Do you know what that word means? Because I suddenly forgot. I have no idea what that word means. Okay. I yeah, I, I yeah, hey, that's why you need to tune into the Why Do We Say That podcast so you can figure out what it means. Uh, forget about that old thing called the dictionary. And you know what? Uh, along with uh, figuring out the meaning and origin of words, they also play uh, great games like Word or Not a Word. Andrew, they made me laugh when uh, during their game show they had someone spell the word fart. I mean, can you spell the word fart? Because I don't know if I can. I can spell it P-H-A-R-T. Oh, you are somewhat of a genius, Andrew. I think it might be (laughs) F-A-R-T. Yeah. Uh, So binge season one of the Why Do We Say That podcast. Season two is going to be available soon. Thanks so much, y'all, for sponsoring this mesotastrophe. That is the Anything Show with John Francois. All right, Andrew, uh, since we are so, so uh, blessed with uh, our beautiful blackness, you want to get things started with headlines? Yes, let's do it. All righty. The first headline that we got to get to. Um, the dating trend term that is trending right now, Andrew. It really is unnecessary, but why not? Let's talk about it. Hardballing. This is when you play hardball and let the person know exactly what they're looking for. That way, everyone's expectations are in check and there's no confusion. I mean, I don't know, Andrew. I, I think I just call it being upfront. I don't know why we have to create a complicated term such as hardball. Yes, you can just be an adult. Like, that's what you gotta do. Just be an adult, talk about what you want. But I do like the term hardballing. It sounds like a 
murder mystery show, like Hardball with Bill Maher. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hardball with Chris Matthews. That was actually a show on NBC, uh, on MSNBC. That might be the show that you're talking about. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Real Time with Bill Maher and uh, Hardball with Chris Matthews. So there you go, Andrew. You are onto something here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe we'll falling. Wait, 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 say that one more time. Maybe we'll get our own moment to hardball. This sounds kind of fun. Yeah, I know. And you know what? It gives me hardballs uh, when I have to sit in traffic for like ever, and that doesn't go well with my testicles. A survey found that the average person, <laughs> I know, Andrew, I'm terrible at transitions. Just bear with me, okay? A survey found that the average person wastes almost two hours a day on mundane things like sitting in traffic, waiting on hold, and flipping through channels. Now, waiting on hold and flipping through channels, Andrew, I think that is a choice. However, sitting in traffic, that's out of your control. Like, what? I mean, it's not like we want to sit in traffic. You know what? I agree with you. I find myself sitting in traffic more than anything, but sometimes it's kind of fun, too. Because you have time to listen to like a seven hour podcast, like seven episodes of the Anything Show, for instance. Yes. You get to listen to a podcast, maybe bust out your grill, cook something. You never know. Oh, I thought when you said grill, you meant like the 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 gold teeth that those hip hop artists like had back in the day. You know? <laughs> yeah, just listen to the radio, bust out your grill, be Paul Wall. I'm gonna I'm gonna get me a grill, shoddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want a grill now. We need to get grills to make this happen. Yeah, We're close enough to the road. Oh God, it would be great. So hitchhiking for grills, me and Andrew. That should be our new podcast. Ooh, you're giving me idea. Maybe we can stop passing truck stops. We could get some good money for grills. Oh, yeah. We could also get some good money from maybe the stupidity of people like this woman in Canada who is facing charges after she drove her car onto a frozen river on Sunday, sped down the ice, Andrew, fell through it, and then took selfies on the roof of her car while people scrambled to save her. So, Andrew, this is another example of how uh, the attention that we want on social media just uh, precedes anything else, including the safety of our lives so to all those people that try to save this woman, just let her die, because clearly her life is not a priority to herself. Yes, that's natural selection. She made the choice to go out there. At first, when I saw this, I was like, oh, maybe she needs some help. And then when I read more into the story and found out it was specifically for social media, they should have let her go. Yeah, really. And uh, you know, she's not let go. That's the sad thing, is that still humanity wins, and this woman is uh, just you know doing the duck lips like... Mm. Hashtag Canadian geese life. <laughs> whatever that means, whatever that means. You know, speaking of dumb people, I mean, there's plenty of dumb people on TikTok where you could follow us at anything show Francois. The latest one, this woman who went to an all you can eat sushi place, she scarfed 32 pieces of sushi down her esophagus, Andrew. And uh, of course, among other things with the sushi, she just ended up in the ER with a severe case of acid reflux. Now, I think this is a perfect excuse to uh, cancel sushi for good, unless you like sushi, Andrew. Do you like sushi? Well, I can't eat the fish sushi, but I do love sushi itself. I love sushi. I think it's good. What does that even mean? I thought sushi was just like raw fish. Like, is there, there's a such thing as a non-fish sushi? Well, there's different types of sushis that are out there. Most of them include animal products. So there, there's egg sushi, there's raw sushi, there's cooked sushi. But then you can also get like avocado sushi that doesn't have any animal products in it at all. Oh my God, is the avocado sushi like avocado where it has that mushy bleh texture? 
It tastes good to me. I love it. So oh, creamy. God. All right. You know what? Uh, sushi to me tastes just about as good as NyQuil chicken. All right. Uh, this TikTok challenge. Speaking of dumb TikTok things, it's called the Sleepy Chicken Challenge, and it, and it involves boiling chicken in half a bottle of NyQuil. And it's supposed to be a cold remedy, which I, I guess for, for my girlfriend, Tony, who now is has COVID, okay, you know, spray your chicken with NyQuil and maybe you'll be negative next time you test for COVID. Uh, so they say, uh, of course, experts, needless to say, they're like, no, please do not dump NyQuil on your chicken because you can actually get overdose and be killed. But uh, Andrew, you support the Sleepy Chicken Challenge. Why do you support people dying I support the Sleepy Chicken Challenge because it is your right to try nature and see if you'll survive. It is your right to try a going against the will to live and see if you make it. And you know what? I support you people. So it's like a, 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 a TikTok version of the Hunger Games, right? Yeah, it's kind of like that. You know, it's like, I want to see if I'll make it through this to the other side. And those who make it, you will be known as the Sleepy chickens, the ones who don't make it, you'll just be asleep. It's okay. You know what? I, all I do, all I know is that I remember the taste of NyQuil anytime I was sick. And uh, if there's anything that'll make you vomit faster, it is uh, just imagining the taste of NyQuil in your mouth. Yeah, Andrew, you're giving me that disgusted face on Zoom right now. You know what I mean. But hey, here's what I will say if we want to digest this NyQuil chicken in a very proper way to a point where it boosts our metabolism, then we should just chew it to the point where it becomes baby food. Because I found this new study in Japan that said that if you chew your food just a little bit longer, your metabolism could be a-okay, and in the process, you could be losing a little weight. So uh, get ready, Andrew. Every meal you're going to have, like once you chew the crap out of it, it's just going to be mushy oatmeal. (laughs) You know, I was reading this one and I was like, well, it helped prevent people from choking. Americans have the highest choking rate when it comes to eating. So it'll be really nice if people follow this and choke less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. And that's not counting all the sexual stuff. I mean, just choking like in, in a family-friendly sense is what we Americans do very well. Yes, I haven't met too many Americans who do the good choking. Yeah. Well, honestly, uh, 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 Andrew, if I have a stuffy nose and I'm choking like a mofo, I am calling in sick or maybe I'm calling out sick. I don't know. I mean, there's a question that seems to be going on online where if you skip work, does it mean that you called in sick or you called out sick? Now, they say that calling in sick is the more popular way to say it. I mean, I feel like it depends. Like, if you are already at work and you need to leave early, I feel like you're calling in sick because you're already in work. But if you call out sick, it's like, oh, okay, you're calling out from work at home and you're just saying on the phone message thingy that you're not coming to work. What what do you think? See, I always say I'm not coming in. So I guess (laughs) I'm calling in crowd whenever I do it. But hearing your explanation, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I have plenty of time to think. And a lot of people close to me would know that I think way too much. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, Andrew. uh, Something I'm also thinking about because, you know, I hate my fashion style. I hate it. And you know what? Uh, We have a, a new year still sort of where we could try new fashion trends like the mullet. Did you know that the mullet is coming back for 2022? John, are you going to get one? Uh, Yes, if I was white and a redneck which i am neither so i mean i don't know unless miraculously black people can grow mullets you, you think that's possible i you know the black mullet to me was the jerry curl yes it was, 
the center front party in the back. So I mean, yeah. you could. Okay. Okay. So yeah, there you go. The black version of the mullet, the Jerry curl, let's call it you, you, me, Andrew, at some point we're going to destroy the uh, chemical balance of our hair and just perm it like crazy and, and <laughs> just have the black mullet. But they also say goth business casual is a uh, fashion trend for 2022. I have no idea what that means. I guess if I had to guess, it's like, oh, like you dress so dark that you dress like you're anti-establishment, but at the same time, you're working for the establishment because it's business casual. What, what do you think? A business goth. I want to see it. I'm here for it. I imagine that this person is going to have like black painted fingernails, eraser burns on their wrist, a three-piece suit, and checkered vans. I'm and not... Maybe- oh, Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry. So I have not seen a three-piece suit since like 2003. Uh, do, do three-piece suits still exist? They had exist somewhere. I see guys wearing them here at the clubs all the time. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, and if they're wearing them, I hope they're smiling in their photos, because if not, that would be a waste of a three-piece suit. Uh, did you? Uh, this is kind of depressing, Andrew. Did you know that 76% of Americans do not always smile in their photos? I, I guess they kind of take that like 1820 style where they just you know, look at the camera with their mouth closed and like they're like they're miserable. Like they, they just give like a very miserable, neutral face. They do. It's a weird thing. I kind of like some of them, but some look weird. Yeah. So our common go to faces in photos are the emotionless poker face, a surprise face, a kissy face or what I hate the most, the duck lip pose. But according to the notes here, Andrew, I think you're a big fan of the duck lip pose. <laughs> duck lip pose in everything. Every picture I take, I will do it. Now, I think for you, it would be better because like you're you have a sense of fun that's not fake. Like I like I don't know with, with Andrew, it's like you, you make the duck lip a, a fabulous thing of a good time. Whereas if I saw like, say, a 14 year old teenage girl do it, you know, duck lips with the, you know, the hand on her hips in front of the bathroom mirror, I, I'd be like, OK, douchey level. Let's turn the douchey level just a little bit down. I can 100% agree. The duck lips, at least to me, is a very specific pose. I like doing it because it's just fun. But then I've seen people do it where I'm like, this doesn't look like you're enjoying yourself. You're doing something a little different here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if I had to choose between NyQuil chicken and the duck lip pose, I might, I might, I might just go for that NyQuil chicken. Oh, what? Okay. (laughs) I'm just playing around with the audio. I love it. Hey, if you have a piece of headline you want to share with me and Andrew, Facebook.com slash The Anything Show. Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. John and Andrew here. Um, Oh, we have a wonderful show coming up for you later on because this is not the actual show. This is just us wasting time. (laughs) Uh, Michelle Vilsack, our food coach, is coming on later to talk about how stress eating can ruin your sex life. Ooh. So that's why I can't get up anymore out of bed. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Uh, and um, and and oh, 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 Dana Hoot from the from the, the, the thing, the, the Cobra Kai on Netflix. The, it's like I think it's like the number three show on Netflix right now. And he's also on that Food Network game show uh, that is about food. So isn't that something special? I mean, don't you just like it, Andrew? That's so groundbreaking. A Food Network game show about food. It, I need you to describe everything I watch for the rest of my life. That was the perfect <laughs> description. 
So it's a tissue program and it's about tissues and you just blow your nose and it's just a, the tissue program. That's that's just what it is, Andrew. Don, if I was blind, I would want you to narrate television to me. Just like that. There you go. Well, I got your back, Ray Charles. I got your back. Um, all right, let me let me let me pull up some music again because it's sponsor time, y'all. Before we get to our celebrity gossip where we talk about Cardi B and all the shenanigans that she's up to. We got to say support from the Anything Show is all thanks to those titties that you want to keep stable. Right? There you go. (laughs) You see, if I just say uh, anything about titties without music in the background, then, you know, it just sounds like I'm a creep. But if you say it with like this dance music in the background, it's like, oh, yeah. Titties, titties, titties on the go. Okay, I actually talked about my cupping of mine. I was like, oh. Yeah. So uh, Perky's. Oh, my God. Uh, We loved how how much did we love our conversation with Rosie from Perky's, Andrew? So much. She's awesome and has a brilliant mind. Yeah. You know, Rosie is a 25 year old who said to herself, you know what? These sticky bras that I've been growing up with, they are crap. They stick after a few wears. They get dirty easily. All too often, they fall off when you least expect it. So Rosie said, I am going to put my foot down and my titty up. And I'm going to create the perfect <laughs> sticky bra. Now, if you don't know, uh, for pretty much any guy out there, a sticky bra is a backless, strapless bra that sticks directly to a woman's breast to give shape and support without straps showing. So what Rosie did was create the only sticky bra in the market with replacement adhesives. Clean, confident, and comfortable. Honestly, the sticky bra is so great. Andrew, you said yourself that you would like to use it. And I think you might need a sticky bra at some point, right? I have confirmed that I will need a sticky bra myself in June. Whoa, can you explain what you need the sticky bra for? So it's going to be for Pride. Pride is going to be in June, and there's an outfit that I want to wear at the evening gown. I got to look like I got a good pair of titties, so. <laughs> uh, Andrew, honestly, look, I, I'm an anti-bra person. I, I, I like perkies, but if, if anybody could just l- let their titties hang out, then that, that is just the American way. Um, so, uh, I mean, since you're going to get the perkies bra, can you remind us where we can get the uh, wonderful perky sticky bra? Yes, you can get the wonderful Perky Sticky Bra at Perky's.com. How do you spell that, Andrew? Because I think I feel like some of our listeners may not even know how to spell Perky's. You're going to spell it. P-E-R-K-I-E-S is in Sam. Wow. The way you spelled that, that was as hot as your titties, Andrew. Ooh, I hope they stick together and jiggle. <laughs> jiggle wiggle like jello. Uh, Perky's has added Perky's has added reusable nipple covers, three shades of nude, and uh, Andrew, along with your Perky sticky bra, I hope you have some Perky's panties. I wish I had them. I need to get some, but I am getting their masks. Oh yeah, okay, all right, I like that. So wedding, cocktail party, date night, or whatever Andrew's doing. Oh, the the pride thing, the pride event. Uh, either way, Perky's has that sticky bra that will make your special event go poof. Like the titties that'll stick out just right from your sticky bra. So once again, Perkies, P-E-R-K-I-E-S dot com. Thanks so much for sponsoring The Anything Show with John francois Alrighty, Andrew, what the hell are we doing? Going from titties to Cardi B. I mean, does Cardi B have titties? I think she does have titties, right? Beautiful ones. I am so jealous. I want hers. Now, now, I remember, I mean, I know that Cardi B has a nice butt. I know she has a very funny way of speaking. I never I never knew that she uh, had good titties. I never paid attention to that. Um, watch the video press, and you'll see them in full view. Okay. All right. Well, Cardi B, watch out. You got a creep watching you just for your titties. Uh, speaking of Cardi B, let's start off with that. It's our celebrity gossip, y'all. 
Yes. All right, so uh, we go from a funny story to a, a serious story. So let's start with the funny one first. So Cardi B says that she uh, might finally reveal her son's name in a face tattoo. Yeah, she might have a face tattoo with her son's name. Uh, she says, quote, random, but I'm 1% close to tatting my son's name on my face. I really, really want to do it. And you know what, Andrew? Honestly, uh, there are a lot of people that will uh, put tattoos of their significant other's name on themselves, and then they break up with a significant other like the next day. But Cardi B, she's smart enough to know that your significant others, they come and go. Your children, however, they last forever. I support it. I'm not going to be able to recognize the girls because all the girls are getting face tattoos now, but just never tattoo the name of a lover. Children is perfectly fine. Exactly, exactly. And uh, sure, Cardi B might look like she's uh, coming out of prison with a face tattoo, but just remember, just remember, that name is not her prisoner uh, roommate. It's the name of her meaningful son who means a lot in her life, okay? Oh, And speaking of awe, how about this Cardi B story that'll make you go aw? Uh, now, you, you probably heard about that uh, unfortunate story in the Bronx where they had that big apartment fire building or that big apartment building fire. It happened on January 9th. Um, and uh, Cardi B actually did a wonderful thing. She actually teamed up with the NYC Mayor's Fund to cover the funeral expenses of the victims of that Bronx apartment building fire. Uh, she says, quote, I hope that not having to worry about the costs associated with burying their loved ones will help as they move forward and heal, end quote. Now, I'm so dumb, Andrew. I totally just realized, like, when I saw that story that, oh, wait a minute, Cardi B is probably the Bronx's most famous native. So it would make sense that she would do this. Yeah, it's her hometown. She wants to see people survive and thrive. And it just sucks that they happen. But it's a beautiful thing to hear. Yeah. You know, a, a, a beautiful but shocking but unpleasant thing to hear, uh, Andrew. You and I, of course, we love Al Alex Trebek and we love the legend around Jeopardy. We could have almost had the first black Jeopardy host. And I'm not talking about LeVar Burton. Uh, this is coming from Alex Trebek himself. While he was alive, he actually uh, recommended that Laura Coates, who I believe is a legal analyst on CNN, and she's a wonderful black woman. Uh, Alex Trebek actually said that Laura could make a good uh, Jeopardy host. And if you think I'm just spouting out fake news out of my ass, well, I got an audio clip to prove it. I think this is Laura on Tamron Hall talking about how she almost, almost could have hosted Jeopardy. Okay, well, you know, it's fun. I, I actually was as shocked as anyone else was when he first said, I never met him. I, I'm a lifelong fan of Jeopardy. I mean, I, I sometimes will watch it twice in a night and then play it back for my kids so I have all the actual answers so I look even smarter to my children. And I was thrilled when he said my name and I thought, my God, this person that I have watched my whole life really um, could even knows my name, let alone thinks that I would be worthy enough to fill his shoes, which frankly can't be filled. And um, I was honored by it. And, and I, 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 I had a chance to thank him and also to reach out to him while his struggle um, with pancreatic cancer, because my own grandmother passed away. And it, it just angers me still that we continue to lose so many great people to it. Um, and I, I asked for the opportunity when it came time, um, when they were looking for people to possibly fill in. I certainly raised my hand and knocked on doors and found them closed. And um, I asked for the opportunity. I was told no, which is one 
of those moments, Tamron, when you have to remember to wear your own jersey. You have to remember to continue to be mm. your own champion in other respects. And and um, sometimes the vision that you have for yourself or those that surprise you from other people don't align with what happens. And that happened there. But I tell you, yeah. with the work I do now, do you know how much easier my life would be if I had the answers in advance? Are you kidding me? Listen. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, well, uh, Andrew, what do you think? Because I think you are very much still on Team LeVar. I am. <clears throat> to me, LeVar Burton was the best host of Jeopardy, even including Alice Trebek. I love Alice Trebek, but I just love LeVar Burton in it. But yes, I could see her easily hosting Jeopardy. I've seen her on the news millions of times. And her voice is so soothing. She's enthusiastic and she's amazing. So either one had been bad. I guess. All right. Well, uh, we go from Laura Coates to Jim Carrey. Can you believe, Andrew, that Jim Carrey is 60 years old? How about that? Insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he has the energy of, uh, I think, a 20-year-old still. You know, you see in all of Jim Carrey's movies. And, of course, you've seen him in, in Living Color. And in true Jim Carrey fashion, this is a Twitter video uh, that he put up in response to his uh, turning 60. I'm 60 and sexy. And tonight I'm having cream corn and strained peaches. <laughs> so it almost sounds like uh, his Grinch character from How Does Grinch Stole Christmas. What do you think about that, Andrew? <laughs> it does. It sounds like him and the Grinch, but then also it sounds weirdly soothing, like you're going to hear a story from your grandpa. <laughs> so Jim Carrey is going to grow into that role well. And it, it, do I have this right? Do you have a crush on Jim Carrey? Do you find him attractive? I had the biggest crush on Jim Carrey when I was younger, and I still kind of do. There's something about a funny man that is just so hot. Yeah, you know, I think sense of humor in general, there's just something very attractive about that. I mean, they say that, like, oh, guys, if you can make a girl laugh, you've already won her heart. But I think, you know, it, it's it's in, it could be in reverse. You know, it could be for the LGBT community. I think in general, if you find someone funny, all, all of a sudden it's like, wow, uh, daddy, come take me now. Yeah, it's like all the other red flags. Forget those. Make me laugh. Exactly. So, Jim Carrey, pull those pants down, man. All right. (laughs) Uh, Now, I don't know if Jim Carrey's legs are as attractive as Heidi Klum's legs, because Heidi Klum, Andrew, her legs are so valuable that they were once insured by a client. Uh, one was uh, one was valued at one million. The other was valued at one point two million. Now, if you're wondering why they're so different from each other, the reason one is worth less than the other is because, quote, according to Heidi, when I was young, I fell into a glass and I have a big scar. End quote. I'm still caught up by the fact that like we actually have a, a, a financial value to someone's legs. I mean, can you imagine, Andrew, if your legs were worth something? What dollar value would you put on your legs? I'm going to give my legs maybe like a good $200 for my left one and like a good 500000 for my right one. Now, what makes your right leg so much more valuable and sexy than your left leg? It is not tattooed. There are no scars. There's nothing. It's a very basic leg. So you're saying that someone who wants to like buy it could make what they want of it. That's why what makes it valued so much higher than the other leg, which has already been established by you with the tattoos. Yes, it's already got tattoos. I've got a massive gash on my knee. Well, it's a scar. Yeah. So it's like really think people would pay too much for a pretty well-used leg. <laughs> okay. All righty. I'm going to the dealership, Andrew, and I'm getting that new leg. Forget about that used leg. I'm going for that new one at the leg dealership. 
I love it. You know what I don't love? Uh, I don't love having to report another Kanye story, but you know what? It's my show, so really I have the choice to not do it. However, I just can't get away from it because Kanye, he's like a car accident that you just cannot look away from. Yeah. Well, uh, as you know, Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian, they're a thing. Uh, Of course, Kanye and Kim, they were married. Kanye's trying to get Kim back. And Pete, he has to watch his back because in Kanye's latest song, what was it called? Easy. He actually uh, threatens Pete Davidson. So listen to this line, Andrew. Rich ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders, get that top ramen out. God sent me from that crash just so I could beat Pete Davidson's ass. Now, there are some uh, rap threats that may not actually be perceived as actual threats. It's just for the sake of creativity. Uh, so should that be that kind of threat, Andrew? Or do you think this is like something that you should call the authorities about? I feel like this is one of those moments where it's like, Pete Davidson looks like a puppy. If you were to kick him, he would probably cry. Don't fight that boy. He didn't do anything. Exactly. Kim was free. Uh, Him and uh, Pete, uh, or her and Pete, uh, had some kind of chemistry. Kanye had his chance, so move on. And of course, uh, because Pete is watching his back, uh, there was a story that came out that Pete has hired extra security uh, because of this song. So wise enough for Pete. Uh, Now, I still say that, you know, Pete, uh, come home to Andrew because uh, he has no uh, complications related to Kanye whatsoever. Um, You know, what do you think, Andrew? Because I know you have a crush on Pete. I mean, I I think I think you might be uh, the the sugar cookie that he needs. It's the thing is, Pete, just listen. There's nobody who's going to beat you up. There's who's going to come and threaten you. You don't have to worry about some weird things happening. It's just basic. We'll play video games and eat Top Ramen. That's it. Oh, and of course, screw until the 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 the, the night is over. No, I think I would really let him just pay my bills. <laughs> I don't know. Going to get so a sugar daddy <laughs> without the sugar is basically what you're saying. Yeah, he will get enjoyment by paying for my rent. Wow. All right. Well, Pete, you have a bargain with Andrew. I mean, sure, you may not get the sexual stuff, but at least you will get some non-Kanye complications. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Lastly, in our celebrity gossip, oh, my goodness, your boo-boo Adele, Andrew, because I know you're a big Adele fan, right? I love Adele. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, in a way she's both of our spirit animals. I mean, for me, for fast food and for you, I think it's what? Her voice? Her voice and how she screams the word bacon. <laughs> how does she scream Bacon. She screamed bacon with delight in this interview. She's like, bacon! Oh. She was screaming uh, It's a whole thing. Just uh, Google Adele and bacon and you will see it. I don't mean to make you sad, but she's not as happy in this uh, video. Did you see the video on Instagram where she had to break it to her fans that her Las Vegas residency had to be um, postponed for now because of COVID? I didn't see the video. All right. Well, don't see it. It'll make you cry. So at the very least, I'm going to only have you listen. This is Adele crying to her fans. Hi. Um, um, listen, I'm so sorry, but um, my show ain't ready. We've tried absolutely everything that we can to put it together in time and for it to be good enough for you. But we've been absolutely destroyed by delivery delays and COVID. Half my crew, half my team are down with COVID, they still are. And it's been impossible to finish the show. And I can't give you what I have right now. Um, And I'm gutted, I'm gutted, and I'm sorry it's so last minute. 
we've been awake for over 30 hours now trying to figure it out and we've run out of time and I'm so upset and I'm really embarrassed and I'm so sorry to everyone that's travelled again. I'm really, really sorry. I'm really sorry. I know. Andrew, what are your thoughts? I see you putting your hand over your mouth. I mean, you're you're affected as well. I am. I'm so affected. I'm so sad. It's It sucks. And you can hear the passion in her voice where she really wants to perform. I just really feel like she'll be okay. And they should have ended the video with like a good like alien abduction or something. Like make it very awkward. Yeah. You know, there is, of course, a lot of trolls on the Internet that are saying like, oh, my God, Adele, calm down. It's just a concert. It's COVID. We understand it'll be fine. Uh, But you really have to put yourself into the mind of a performer like Adele, because she is arguably the biggest singer in the world right now. Her song Easy On Me, I think nine weeks, it's been the number one song in the country. So with that status comes a lot of pressure that the artist tends to put on themselves. So they think, okay, you know, I have this status. I've, the fans have given me this opportunity. I have to come through for the fans. She's working hard for this show. Uh, she's putting everything together behind the scenes with her crew. She's thinking, okay, I'm going to give the fans the banger of a show. She knows that there are a lot of fans who have made travel plans, who have spent, God, I think the most expensive ticket I heard about, Andrew, was $40,000. I don't even make that in a year. So that was insane. So if you think about all the money spent, all the travel arrangements made, and then Adele, uh, because of course of COVID, has to say, crap, guys, I'm so sorry. I have to reschedule, postpone. Well, sure. I mean, luckily there are some fans that will follow her to the end of time and make that postponed date. But then you have to think about probably the many others who will not be able to make the postponed date because of all their adulting responsibilities. And then I have to go through uh, secondary ticket marketing companies like, you know, the one I used to work for and those companies having to say, well, you know, the show is postponed. It's not canceled. You only get your money back if it's canceled completely. So there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, I can feel Adele's pain. I I can feel the fact that, you know, when she uh, recites this announcement, she feels like she's letting her fans down. And uh, luckily, from what I've seen on Instagram, for the most part, on her Instagram page, uh, the comments are all supportive. So I think that's uh, very nice and understanding on the fans' part. Oh, we understand as a fan who is going to buy a ticket to her Vegas show, it's not going to stop me. Even if it gets postponed, I'm still going to go. Who doesn't want to be in Vegas singing along with Adele and crying your hearts out about a breakup in Vegas? Andrew, like, Andrew, are you living rent or mortgage-free? Like, how, how the hell are you going to afford an Adele ticket at this point? Oh, it's not expensive. For my life. What's the cheap? Was, what's what's, what's uh, the cheapest ticket you saw? Well, there's a couple that were a couple thousand dollars, but that's still not crazy. For for what? Like nosebleed seats? Yeah, that's still fine. You're in Vegas singing with Adele. <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know what? If you have the money, I say spend it. Look, I I spent several hundred dollars on uh, tickets to see uh, Hamilton on Broadway. And uh, I was doing it because I heard about the buzz. And for me, seeing the experience was much more important than how much credit card debt I uh, will acquire. So I totally get it, Andrew. Just 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 be careful. Be careful. Be careful. I mean, if you have the money, great. But be careful. OK. Right. Well, just think about it. Anybody who's going through breakup or heartache, if you like Adele, go to Vegas and see her. Get drunk before the show, then you can cry your eyes out. You don't have to worry. You're not going to call your ex because your voice is gone. From- 
Adele, you have go a, do it. Perfect way to get the feels out. Yeah, you have a strategy all planned out, don't you? Mm-hmm. I love it. And that's our celebrity gossip, y'all. Yes. If you have a piece of celebrity gossip you want to send us, facebook.com slash the anything show, Instagram and TikTok at anything show Francois. John here in Colchester, Vermont. My good buddy Andrew from the Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy podcast coming from Rochester, New York. Andrew, anything we need to know lately about Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, wherever you get podcasts? Yeah. So we're back on every Saturday. And my next episode, I'm going to have somebody who used to be an adult entertainer turn pastor. So this is going to be a very interesting interview. I love it. Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy, wherever you get podcasts. Support Andrew. It is a wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, Coming up, uh, before me and Andrew talk with food coach Michelle Vilsack about, you know, stress eating and how it can affect your sex life. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Coming up first, I will be speaking with uh, Dan Ahoot, wonderful actor and comedian from the hit Netflix show Cobra Kai. And he's the host of the Food Network game show, Raid the Fridge. You got to listen to this concept because it's very, very interesting. Andrew, I will see you on the other side for Michelle Vilsack. Just give me 10 minutes, okay? Yay. Yay. All right. Dan, what's up? What's up, John? How's it going? Where in Vermont are you? I am in Island Pond. This is the uh, middle of nowhere boonies part of Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be the boonies part of Vermont is, uh, you know, that that takes a lot because a lot of Vermont is is boonies. Yeah, it's it's very funny because like I I, before this, I used to live in the town of Lindenville here in Vermont um, Uh and where where I'm originally from is Connecticut. And my mom would say like, oh, you know, you live out there in the boonies. You live in, you know, Lindenville in the boonies. And I'm like, no, actually in Vermont, Lindenville is actually considered like a a small city. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. So so, yeah, even within a small like kind of middle of nowhere state like Vermont, you still have like, oh, here's the big city and here's the middle of nowhere part where we just have a lot of older people and a lot of silence. So (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Long Island, so I spent a a lot of winters uh, at Killington up up in Vermont. So, yeah, I'm familiar with the state. It's, It's probably the most beautiful state in America, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, actually, a recent survey said it's it was the the most moved to state last year. So no way, I, I get it. It's it's that's a place where you flee uh, for the pandemic. That's where you go. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I need to get the hell out of the cities. So I'm going to Vermont. I I guess I guess I mean. In, in, in my perspective, it's, uh, you know, you, uh, you, uh, you, you it's very expensive here and you have to have snow tires from October. May, but I can see how like with a visitor, like someone who is like is a tourist or who has like a cat, I can see how it's like very scenic and beautiful and peaceful. So I, I'll give it. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, Dan, um, so, I, you know, first of all, I, I, I love Cobra Kai. I, I have to admit, I just started watching it. It, it, it. Have I seen you yet or do you come in like in the later seasons? Um, I come in, uh, well, no, I'm in, I'm in episode one of the, I play a noosh in the uh, car dealership. So I'm, I'm, I'm in from episode one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an insane, uh, insane ride just to see the like kind of meteoric rise of this show. I mean, it's like the number one show worldwide right now, which is blows yeah. my mind. I'm getting like DMS from people in like the mountains of Pakistan. Like we love your show out here. I'm like, how are you getting reception out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, 
And I got to ask you, I mean, because obviously it's it's all based on the uh, iconic Karate Kid movie franchise. Like, how does it feel uh, essentially being a part of that? It's really surreal, I got to say. It's like, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of the Karate Kid growing up. So to be able to, like, have Ralph Macchio's phone number <laughs> is, like, yeah. the craziest thing ever. Um, it's funny because, like, I have this outer body experience when I'm working on this show because I work with with uh, Ralph Macchio, right? So, uh, and he was, like, my childhood idol. So I'll have these moments where we're acting and I just have this, you know, I'm, like, totally in my head. Like, the six-year-old inside me is like, oh, my God, I can't believe that I'm with the Karate Kid. And, like, the director yells, cut, Dan, you had a line there. You totally flubbed up the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely hard to stay focused, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a childhood dream come true. Awesome, and you know, in addition to your acting talents in that show, uh, you know, also your comedic talents, you are hosting the the Food Network series, Raid the Fridge. I really want you to uh, explain the premise of this because when I saw this, I was like, you know what, this is the epitome of don't judge a book by its cover. Oh yeah. Um, so basically, how the show works is well, first off. This is not like one of those serious, intense food competition shows that, you know, there's like a voiceover with a menacing voice and like there's like, you know, dramatic music and crazy dramatic lighting that looks like a UFC fight. Like this is not that like I hate those shows. It's like everyone relax. You're not curing cancer. You're curing salmon. So this is like a way more fun, funny version of a food show. Like we're almost making fun of the format. But don't get it twisted. The food is is actually top notch. And how it works is you've got these four chefs who get these four mystery fridges. They have no idea what's inside these fridges. They just choose the fridge based on pictures and magnets that they see on the outside. And then they open the fridge and suddenly time starts. And they have like 15 minutes to make brunch or, you know, 15 minutes to make a fine dining appetizer or whatever the challenge is for the day. And the fridges are real fridges that are recreated from someone's actual fridge in America. So you get to see basically what a super talented professional chef can do with the ingredients inside a fridge a lot like, you know, your own. And it's it's wild like the talent that these these guys and girls have to be able to just go into like our fr- like I go into my fridge and I try to get creative and I'm like all right, I guess I'll just reheat the leftovers from last night cuz that's about all I can do. <laughs> these guys are like making like five course meals out of leftovers and it blows my mind. Like it's really, really cool to watch. So um, the, the, the pictures, the, the artistry, whatever we see on the front of the fridge, is that like, do, do we see like a picture of the completed meals and then the, they dive into the fridge and, and make the meal that they see based on the ingredients? Uh, no, it's not, it's not even that, that straightforward. Like it, it could be a lot more vague. Like, like there'll be a magnet of the Statue of Liberty. And it's like, okay, does that mean that there's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking New York. Does that mean that there's pizza inside, does oh. that mean, you know, cheesecake or wait, the Statue of Liberty was made in France. Uh, maybe it's French food. Yeah, so it can be really vague and weird. And they, they really have no idea what's going in there. Like, for example, there was a fun twist where there was a fridge that had a lot of magnets from different parts of the world. And, and so the, the, the chef looking at it thought, oh, cool, it's going to have a lot of different ingredients in here um, from different places. 
But actually what it was, was the fridge of someone who's a world traveler and they're traveling all the time. So it was all just takeout boxes because they never have time to, to cook their own food. So uh, it, it, it's fun little twists like that, that they don't see coming. Uh, but again, they roll with the punches like nothing I've ever seen. Like the amount of, of like brilliant food that they make out of these like simple fridges, like it's going to make you feel really insecure about looking at your fridge and not being able to make something amazing out of it. <laughs> I bet. Now, the ultimate prize is a fridge full of cash, I think. Uh, how much cash are we talking? $10,000. It's a lot uh, of money. It's crazy yeah. money. And it's like, you know, a lot of shows, I was surprised by that much money just because a lot of shows, it'll be like, you know, there's six episodes and it's elimination. And then finally someone gets $10,000. It's like, no, after each episode, someone gets $10,000. And then, and then after each episode, there's four new chefs. Each episode is brand new chefs. Uh, so, you know, it's not like you have to follow their life story and meet their grandmother and see how she needs them to win. Like it's nothing crazy like that. It's like, yo, you win, you get 10 K move on four new chefs. Awesome. Uh, how, how can we watch Ray the fridge? So you can watch it on the Food Network uh, every Tuesday at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern. And uh, if you don't have the Food Network, if, you, if you're streaming, you got to get an app called Food Network Go. You still need like a cable provider to log in. And I just steal my parents' cable provider <laughs> and put it in. <laughs> I'm literally on the show and stealing a cable account to, to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend you do the same if, you're, if you've cut the cord like I have. I love it. So you got Raise the Fridge. Uh, you got, of course, you're, you're, you're in the number one show worldwide, Cobra Kai on Netflix. I think it's in its, what, fourth season right now? I, I think that's what I saw on the Netflix. Yeah, movie. fourth season. Yeah. Exactly. Also, if you need to steal a Netflix password, uh, just DM me. I'll give you mine and uh, <laughs> you can watch it uh, just like that. Yeah. Speaking of DMs, how can we find you on social media? Yeah, uh, everything is at Stand Up Dan. Um, because at Dan Adu, no one can spell my last name. So stand up Dan on Instagram and on Twitter. Okay. So I'm, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at anything show Francois. So the first thing I'm going to do is, is follow you uh, right after this. Please. And my, my podcast is called rate it. No, that's not the, my podcast. My podcast is called uh, green, green eggs and Dan. So, uh, it's a very fun, just interviewing celebrities, uh, based on what's inside their fridge. So if you've ever wondered, what's inside Henry Winkler's fridge, uh, you can find out. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll connect with you on social, Dan. It's a pleasure to meet you and, and uh, keep on going, man. I mean, it seems like between, you know, the, this, this Food Network show and Cobra Kai, you're, you're on top of the world. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. And uh, if uh, I'm ever in Vermont and, uh, you know, I get a flat tire and I'm stranded. <laughs> don't come to me. You. I don't know anything about flat tires. Don't come to me. <laughs> You're just going to leave me out there to die? John, uh, come on, man. I, I, I will call people that I think know about flat tires, a.k.a. Okay. the cops. I think the cops are the only people <laughs> that know that may be able to help you out. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Sounds like a plan. All right. So, uh, Michelle, your last name is pronounced Vilsek? Yes, Vilsek. Okay. Okay. And you are identified as a food coach. Yes. We can go there. Oh. <laughs> I don't really, I so, don't know. I'm always changing what kind of coach I want to call myself. But okay. Well, I mean, well, food, well, coach for purpose, food coach is good. So, so, okay. So for the purposes of this conversation, uh, you're a food coach and 
I mean, I, you know, I, I'm hungry just thinking about that title. Uh, <laughs> let's let's break it down. What exactly do you do as a food coach? Yeah, um, I, I think I call it a food coach because I help people with their relationship with food. I mean, it's not necessarily something you're like, I want to go improve my relationship with food, but... <laughs> For a lot of people, I find, you know, you want to lose weight or you want to, I mean, I work a lot with people who want to lose weight, but for people also who want to just get healthier. And, um, I, I work a lot with plant-based people as well. So, uh, people who want to get healthier, they know what to eat, you know, what, you know, to eat more vegetables and things like that. And then, uh, but the trick is, that we have all these associations with food where we feel like we're, I was just talking to someone actually about, you know, their grandma used to take them to McDonald's and that was their special time together. And so now McDonald's is like grandma, you know, and they're one in the same. And so if I give a McDonald's, I'm going to get my grandma. And there's just like so many intertwined things. Oh God. Yeah. So I would have to imagine that with the new year um, having started, you know what, Michelle, uh, give me just one quick second. Uh, side note, I, I live in a house with uh, six dogs and five cats. And I think one of the cats just came in. So just <laughs> give me one second. His cats are sneaky. <clears throat> They're sneaky little cats, but I'm Andrew, Michelle. It is very nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yes, Andrew, my co-host Michelle, uh, who I think, uh, like, I think you is is that your work uniform? Because it seemed like you had like a medical shirt on, but it, uh, that seems more like a casual shirt, I think, Andrew. Oh yes, this is just a t-shirt. Okay, okay. Because at first glance, I was like, it looked almost like uh, what uh, my girlfriend yeah. Tony wears to like because you know she's a she's a vet tech, uh, Michelle. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, anybody in the doctor field, whether it's like an animal doctor or a human doctor, they always have like that doctorish shirt. So that's what I thought you were wearing, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but now I see it. It's a very casual you Andrew shirt. Your profession, sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice interchangeable so anyway uh my thought my question was michelle or maybe it's more of a statement uh i would have to imagine that with the the year 2022 having started like what eight eight 19 days ago as we are recording this um you know a lot of people of course they have that cliche of like oh you know i want to be on a diet and i want to lose weight and i want to do this and that so i'm i'm thinking that you you must be bombarded with people trying to you know seek your services for like right now <laughs> that's true the beginning of the year is a it's a big push and i didn't realize that it was like i knew it was a thing but i didn't realize how big of a deal it really is for us to renew our health goals specifically until a couple of years ago, I was working as a cycle instructor in one of those boutique fitness places. And we had like three times the amount of people we normally have. And I was like, Whoa, really? Like people really do like first, I don't know. It's something about it gives us permission to like go try again and have a fresh start. And then we go all in and hopefully you found somebody to help you because I remember even at the time when I wasn't a health coach at the time, I was thinking, man, like we need them. We need someone to like help them figure out why they don't want to come and like help them work through that so they can come back. But that's not something that we had in place. And so then, yeah, of course, a couple months later, most of them were all done. They were all done. Yeah. 
So, so uh, of course, Andrew, as always, you can jump in with the thumbs up thing on the Zoom if you have a question. Um, I, I mean, God, I'm I, like, where, where do I begin here? Um, well, first of all, the the past two years, you know, people have been, uh, you know, changed in ways that we could have never imagined. I mean, you have people that are suddenly being told, all right, you have to stay inside, you know, keep yourself isolated from others to, to keep yourself safe from the coronavirus. And that could lead to many things. It could lead to depression. It could lead to uh, eating, you know, as mm-hmm. a result of all that, of all you're experiencing. So I'm wondering if, uh, if you've noticed a lot of that in the past two years from people that you've worked with and maybe, you know, even yourself, if you've been uh, kind of subjected to, you know, oh my God, like, you know, d- d- life sucks. Let me just eat a big bowl of pasta right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the reason I'm in this business is because I had a major overeating problem and I never really? gained, I never gained a ton of weight because I also had digestive problems at the same time, but I really, really, uh, really did have a food addiction to be honest, I didn't realize it was so bad until I talked to other people and I'm like, Oh no. Yeah, it was bad. But, um, but so I've, yeah, so I've definitely been there, but the irony for me was I actually figured out how to stop and be totally free from food during 2020, whenever we were at home, it's just like a random, random time to figure it out, which was great though, because I have noticed that, yeah, everyone not everyone, but the vast majority of people have gained, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds during the pandemic because of the isolation. And because, you know, food's easy, it's available. It's we're in our house all the time. Also because comfort food, the reason we call it comfort food is because it has that chemical reaction in our brain. It literally does have the same chemical reaction as like connection with a person, obviously on a smaller scale, but because you're getting like a small hit of connection, essentially, whenever you eat, um, that's what people are seeking because they're disconnected. And so it makes a lot of sense that because we're so isolated, like extra, we're extra going to food to fill that gap. Uh, Andrew? Now, would you say like, especially with quarantine and everything that was occurring during that time, period specifically and now afterwards like diet fads or trends like keto or uh trying those different cleanses and different things was that something that you would see more of people coming to you to either try to break that habit see if there's healthy ways to do those things or yeah i think um there have people come to me whenever they've kind of tried everything else and they realize like, I've tried keto, I've tried this, I've tried that. Like some people even like go to the gym regularly. They have a personal trainer and I go to the gym three days a week with my personal trainer, but I still, I'm still like stress eating 40 pounds in the last year kind of thing. Um, So there's a variety of people, but so I think, I think your question is sort of, you know, number one, do those, do those work? And are they coming to me to like learn how to, to do those better? Or is that your question? Yes. That's kind of my question is like, are the people coming to you to figure out how's it healthier way or better way to stick to this type of eating? Or is it more, this has not worked. What else is there? Yeah. Yes. So it's a little bit of both. So a lot of people come to me because 
honestly, most of us do know that like we should eat more vegetables. We should not go to McDonald's every day. We should get rid of the junk food in our lives. But um, so a lot of people come because they're like, I know what to do, but I just can't stick with it. Like I can't stay motivated long enough um, or because um, there, some of them are seeking a little bit of clarity around like, how do I make, like, is this healthy? How do I make this a little healthier? Or, you know, I've hit a plateau, various reasons, but, you know, I had a plateau and, um, I can't figure out how to get past this plateau. And, uh, that's an interesting one that we can hit on a little bit more, but, you know, for most people, when you hit a weight loss plateau, you think, okay, now I need to tweak my diet. I need to go exercise more. And they actually start freaking out and, and being more and more restrictive at that point, which is actually the opposite of what you should do. It's really interesting. So how can we, um, God, because I think maybe for as long as we can remember, you know, going back to, you know, ever since we first heard of like the word diet and losing weight, like, I think, it's very easy to have that association of, oh, uh, if it tastes good, it's not good for you. And if it tastes nasty, it must be good for you. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is how can we uh, how can how, how can we combine the joy of eating with, uh, you know, healthy eating with a, a wise dietary plan? How, how can we make those two like work together? Yeah. Great question. Actually, you brought up the number one thing. What I what I often tell people is the reason the reason that you can't stick with it is because there's because your brain is divided. Okay. <laughs> because part of you wants to eat healthy and reap the benefits. And part of you does not want to, <laughs> wants to yeah. go from, and that is one of the main reasons that, so I have like a list of top 10, 10 reasons. I can give everybody the link to get that list if you're interested, but I have a list of like the top 10 reasons why we struggle so much with this. And that is, that is number one on my list is it tastes so good. Like unhealthy food tastes so good. Healthy food doesn't taste so good. So how do I get myself to, you know, I, and I hear people say it all the time. I don't know if you do where they're like, you know, I just rather die than like give up my steak or (laughs) I, I, if I do that, then that's not living. But I, I think I like to use the analogy of you know, whenever you're a kid and you watch certain TV shows that, and then you grow up and you're like, those TV shows are like, you don't even want to watch those anymore because they're, you know, they're like little kid ones and they're dorky and they are obnoxious. And now you have a more mature taste of the things that you like to watch. So it's really similar with your taste buds as well. And whenever you're used to eating foods that aren't so great for you that are high in sugar, they're high in fat, they're high in salt, then your body, your, your taste buds get used to those flavors. And it's almost, it's an overload of those flavors too. So you start to lose your more, your capability to uh, appreciate more subtle foods this is making sense. So in fact, whenever you get rid of the junk food, which I'll, I'll just equate to like the childish foods, let's just say in my analogy here, when you get rid of the childish foods, then your taste buds realign or they, they change. They really do. It takes a, actually as little as 10 days to taste your, to 
change your taste buds. And then you start to be able to taste things better uh, and healthy foods start to taste better. So the trick is that time in between, or if you're still cheating along the way, then your taste buds aren't changing as much. But ultimately, whenever you eat healthier in general, as your main diet, then those foods start to taste amazing. And then the foods that aren't that great for you start to taste disgusting, actually. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and speaking of that, you know, it's, it's great that I have a co-host who is a vegan and I've wondered, Andrew, if you can kind of uh, share uh, your relationship with food from, you know, when you were a meat eater to where you are now. And if that kind of ties into what we're talking about with, uh, you know, with, with food coaching. For myself, I can say, being vegan, I've been vegan for years now. It's been quite a long time. And I still love to smell different meats and foods cooking. But the one time I tried, which was almost like two or three years ago, to actually eat some meat, it didn't taste good. I did not like it at all. I was like, oh, this doesn't taste good. I had the worst stomach ache. I was like, this is just not for me. And I was just happy sticking with my foods. But one of the funny things that I hear a lot of people say is like, oh, well, you can eat as much as you want. It's vegan. I'm like, no, it's not all healthy. Because <laughs> I love to snack. I love to munch on things just all the time. And I feel like it's something I enjoy doing. But then there's that moment of regret at the end where it's like, well, I really didn't want to eat a whole bag of Oreos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Oh <laughs> boy. Yeah. And the vegan, um, I am also vegan actually. So, uh, that's a really nice analogy too, because whenever I'm working with people too, and you don't want to be eating the bag of Oreos or whatever, the hard thing is nobody teaches you how to like not want to eat the bag of Oreos, right? They just tell you, okay, this is what you do to like, maybe you, you eat this other thing in place of it, or you like set all these barriers to yourself so that you don't do it. And you're trying to like rein yourself in. And I call it babysitting. Like, I don't want to babysit myself all the time about what I'm eating. Cause that's, annoying I'm a big girl you know <laughs> and um yeah. but I like that analogy because there's kind of this switch that you can that can happen in your brain right and for vegans especially it's it's happened at some point where you're just like I'm not going to eat that anymore maybe you've watched something you learned something about animals and so for you it's just like a switch and now that's not food anymore and like I used to eat that but now it's just like out it's not food anymore. And in your brain, then it becomes super easy. You don't, you're not craving it all the time. You're not babysitting yourself all the time. Like, Oh no, don't eat it. You know, and trying to strong arm yourself, but you just genuinely don't want to, which makes it easy. Mm. And so what I teach people is like that you can do that on purpose about everything that you eat. And then you can just decide what it is that you want to eat and how much and you kind of set your own rules around it. And then you program your brain to want to do what you want it to do. And then it makes life super duper easy. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to the fact that like you said earlier in the conversation, Michelle, that you had, you know, a food addiction issue. And I guess uh, I wanted you to 
elaborate on that, you know, tell us, you know, your, sort of your backstory, uh, your prior relationship with food and how it gradually led you to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, I, like I said, I didn't really realize it was a problem. And in high school, actually, I went gluten-free, which was way before that was cool. And there wasn't anything gluten out there, like gluten-free out there. Uh, but I was having some major digestive issues, like I said. And so I went gluten-free. And then after that, I realized like in high school and college, I started to think, realize that like, I eat a little bit more than everybody else does <laughs> like, or like, I'm always going, I'm going to these. And then it feels like I can't really, I'm going to food for comfort, but it was more than that. It was like, I can't stop. I go and then I can't stop. Or like, I'll tell myself no, but my, I won't believe myself. I won't follow myself and my brain will just keep asking me and bothering me about it. So for me, it was, I think one big realization I went to, I went on a religious mission to Japan and the food culture is very different there. And I remember we went to this one apartment and uh, as, as missionaries, we kind of bounced around to apartments. So we went into this one and they had like literally a wall of junk food, like, and they have good junk food there. <laughs> They've got like yeah. really yummy. It was like Belgian chocolates and they have like, yeah. Right. Like I see your face, like, what is this still doing here? <laughs> right? like, how have you not eaten this whole wall yet? And so the last missionaries had left it there and I was like, sweet. And so I'm just like every day, you know, I'm like, let me fix this problem we got over here. So every day I was like eating chocolates and eating whatever was over there. And one day my friend who I was living with at the time, she was like, you eat sugar every day. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, doesn't everybody? And it's, so that was my first real clue. Like, whoa, you know, maybe people don't eat that much sugar every day or like, that's really not some, that's not a problem in Japan to have a whole wall of, of junk food. Like they, they can handle themselves a little bit better. And I think that was the, the first time that I realized. And then after I came back from Japan, it was kind of a transition time where I was really lonely and I hadn't really started college yet. And I didn't know what I was doing with my life and all of those things. So I was my dad's a roofer actually. And I was a roofer for many years. And so during the summer, uh, that's what I was doing when I came home was roofing eight hours a day. And I still gained 15 to 20 pounds in three months. Wow. Because, I was because you were working up an appetite, right? You were working up an oh, appetite. Yeah, with- right. <laughs> I'm like, I was probably burning 2000 calories a day, but here I was like still putting it on, backing it on. Yeah. So then I was like, man, I definitely, there's something wrong. And I remember reaching out to my dad because I'm like, it was the only one that I could really reach out to or talk to. And I was like, dad, I think I've got this problem. But then being my dad, it's like, oh, well, don't stop eating. Like, like, don't go the other direction. I don't want you to be anorexic. And I was like, okay, well, that's not very helpful. Like you're not really understanding what I'm trying to say. Um, because I have always been fairly thin. Like it's been hard for people to take me seriously about it, I think. Um, and then after I got married and had kids, it was just still a struggle, like always stress eating and feeling like, again, like I couldn't say no. And I just remember one of my big motivations was 
like, I don't want to pass this on to my kids. I don't want them to feel trapped by food and just obsessing about it all the time. I want them to be healthy. And at that point too, I had gone plant-based and healed a lot of my digestion through that, but I felt like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't get myself to, to stop eating it. And and everybody was like, just stop, just stop, you know, just use willpower. I don't know. They didn't have very good advice. They're just like, just stop it. (laughs) You know? So it was, it was frustrating. It was frustrating. Definitely. And feeling like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I figure like, why don't I have willpower to just get, get it straight? Yeah. Andrew, you got a question? Yeah. I can relate with that so much. I find myself at times like, why do I have to continue eating? Like, what am I doing this for? I'm not even hungry. And I wanted to ask you, when you talk about relationships with food, are there certain ways you view foods or that you can give advice on that would make a more healthy relationship? And I say that in almost like this, like, I want to follow a specific meal plan. And part of my meal plan includes couscous, which could be a little bit of a starchy food. But my meal plan says I should restrict starchy foods. So I go ahead and eat that. And then I feel bad. I'm like, well, it's not over the serving size, but it's not listed as something I should have a lot of. Should I actually feel depressed or sad about eating that or look at it in a different light? Yeah, Mm, that's a really good question. There's a couple things there, right? Uh, I think part of it is, my short answer is no that it doesn't do any good to feel bad about it. <laughs> and uh, that like from the relationship standpoint that people actually, it's a, it's a cycle that whenever you feel bad about eating it, then you tend to want to eat more, right? <laughs> like, because whenever you feel bad about something, then you kind of beat yourself up. Then you're feeling ashamed. Then you're like, oh, this isn't working. And then you just tend to give up a little bit more. So like that shame cycle doesn't doesn't uh, help anything at all. So, and I know sometimes you're like, well, I can't just let myself go when I did something I'm not supposed to do. But at the same time, if you really think about it, that uh, you know, feeling bad about it isn't doing you any favors either. So I think in, if you're asking, should I eat, how many carbs should I eat? (laughs) If that's part of the question, it depends on, um, on your goals. I I think it depends on your goals, but overall what I and I would probably have different suggestions than others. I'm like a high, I'm a high carb girl. So I'd say go for it. But uh, as long as, as long as you're feeling good about it. But I think if you want to stop eating and you, and there's a lot of questions, sorry, there's a lot of like answering a lot of questions at the same time. But so if you want to stop eating and you ate a little more, then you should, what do I do next? Is that kind of your question embedded in there as well? Yes, okay, cool. Yeah, so the first thing I recommend that everybody do actually is just kind of sit back and get curious. So instead of beating ourselves up about it or maybe even making a judgment, like just getting curious about what am I thinking right now? like 
is that really too much? Like maybe it's not even too much. And then your brain's just making this big thing out of nothing. Like, is it really too much? What is it really doing for me? What am I thinking about it? What am I feeling? Because going back to what I said earlier, um, what really, when you want to change your relationship with food, you kind of need to know what your relationship is, what you're telling yourself. And really identifying those thoughts and exactly what's going on. That's the first step to kind of making it better. Uh, so Michelle, I mean, look, I, I'll basically break down my relationship with food from the time that I left home back in what, 2017, uh, probably up till uh, when I moved into uh, my girlfriend's house here back in September of uh, 2021. So that's like, what, a four-year period. Uh, my relationship with food was always just convenience and comfort. Like, I understood that I was leaving a very comfortable situation at home where my mom always cooked great meals. I was always spoiled by that. And I never really took the time to like learn how to cook like all these meals, you know, a lot of which had their version of healthiness to it. So when I left home, uh, I, I mean, aside from cooking scrambled eggs, uh, a, a lot of what I was eating was just like, oh, you know, I'll make a sandwich here. I'll get some takeout there, like something that's just very quick and to the point because um, I'm lazy when, when it comes to, you know, Cook, you know, preparing a, a nice, healthy meal. And I, and I'm always on the go. I have a busy work schedule where I just get antsy and impatient at the idea of like sitting down and just, you know, making time to prepare something. And I think it's just gotten to the point where I've associated, you know, Oh, like if I want to eat more healthy, like I gotta like make time to, you know, cook a B and C and I did some uh, meal plans here and there. I, I think I did like a little HelloFresh here and there. Uh, so I guess that th this is kind of a rambling way to ask, is there a way for someone to have a, a wise diet while also keeping up with the demands of adult life? <laughs> does that make any yeah. sense? Yes, it does. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. You're hitting all the good ones, guys. Um, yeah. So, you know, let's get curious and question, actually, because whenever I was creating a couple of years ago, I created a course, actually, that teaches people, busy people, how to make a week's worth of healthy meals in just two hours a week. And uh, whenever I was marketing, thinking about marketing this course, I'm like, how much time do I spend in the kitchen? Like normally, because at the time I was spending an outrageous amount of time in the kitchen, cutting up vegetables and all these things. But when I went back and I added it up, it was 20 hours a week I was spending in the kitchen, right? 20 hours a week. So that's a part-time job. I know. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is most people are spending between 10 and 15 hours, at least, even if you're lazy, if you go back and actually look at what time, how much time you're spending on it, it's actually like 15 hours a week, because you got to think about 
Um, even if you go eat out, for example, if you go eat out, then you got to figure out what you want to eat. You got to go drive and get it, or you got to like pull out your phone. I don't know if my family's the worst. So I said, uh, my uh, in-laws are the worst felt like we spent like an hour on the app trying going back and forth about like what everybody wants. You know what I mean? But whenever you like start to add in the little pieces and then like clean up time and the time that you spend procrastinating or like uh, the, the number of times that you go to the grocery store for just like one or two things. Like once you start adding everything in, you're actually spending a lot of time already that you don't realize that you're spending. So that's thing number one that I like to point out. Whenever you start to be conscious about how you spend your time, there's a way to do it that you really only have to take. Uh, I think I say two hours a week, but it's like, that's the prep time. I think overall, if you add in, like, it takes me 10 minutes to heat up my food or whatever it, I got it down to eight hours a week. So from 20 hours to eight hours a week, big difference. Uh, just by like batching, just by like, cutting out repetitive tasks essentially and simplifying things. So one of my thoughts is that you will probably have the time. You're probably already spending the time. You just don't realize that you're spending the time. The other thing that I want to say about time is that by eating junky foods, you waste a lot of your productive time. Uh, Right. What do you mean by that? So when you eat foods that aren't okay, when you start to eat healthy foods, this crazy thing happens and your brain just like opens up and it's so much more clear. Okay. <laughs> it's like, there's this cloud that goes like this and it happens to everybody. Yeah. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that cloud was there. But now it's like, whenever you eat, you never, you know, you guys both have glasses, right? So like <laughs> before you got glasses and then now you got glasses and you're like, oh my gosh, I can see the leaves now. Right? <laughs> it's that same feeling. You're like, <gasps> so whenever we eat junky foods, we just don't have as much energy. There's like that afternoon slump that's everybody's dragging through that you just really can't think clearly. A lot of people now are taking naps, especially now that we work from home. A lot of people are taking naps. So by the type of foods that you're eating, you can actually unlock about three hours a day from by like changing what you eat, just three productive hours a day. So those are all my motivation. I didn't give you any food tips there, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm just telling you that it's worth it and that there is a way to, to really to just batch it down whenever you do batch it down. Uh, in practical ways, though, there's like those cut up, those salad in a bag at the store. It's like already cut up with the dressing. You can just toss a dressing if you don't want the dressing. And then there's also, you know, they have everything all cut up for you at the grocery store now, right? Like the bag of broccoli that's all cut up, the bag of cauliflower, the frozen stuff. Here's a real easy, lazy thing to do. If you have an air fryer, you get a yeah. bag of do you have an air fryer? Okay. Here's yep. your. I don't know how to use it, but I have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will teach you. <laughs> yeah. Here's what you do. You get like a bag of frozen vegetables, like broccoli, for example. If you don't, I don't know if you don't like broccoli. That's actually Brussels sprouts are really good. Okay. Broccoli. Here's your assignment. Sort of. <laughs> the more you eat it, the more you'll like it. Um, so you get the bag of frozen broccoli. You dump it in the air fryer frozen. Then you just close it up you put it on like 
400-ish for about 10 minutes, shake it a couple times. Suddenly it is roasted broccoli, <laughs> right? So you do that with a lot of frozen vegetables, but it just like roasts it for you, which most people like the taste of roasted vegetables. How do you feel if I cover those frozen vegetables with ketchup? Is that going to ruin it or, or is that going to, you know, I mean, just let's, come on, come on. One get, step get at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> just to never imagine broccoli and ketchup together. I don't think that's <laughs> It does sound kind of nasty. <laughs> but... with ketchup, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle, go ahead. What, what yeah. were you saying, Michelle? Okay, well, I do have to tell you about this crazy cool tool that I stumbled on. So I do a lot of work with like, uh, okay, let me backtrack in just a second. But so for most people, we talk about the relationship with food. And then most people think like, oh, I have to have a per- perfect relationship with myself. And it's all emotional. And I need to like, you know, be nice to myself all the time or be perfect or not stress ever again or whatever. And that's what I used to think. And that stuff will drive you crazy, by the way. And you'll just be going in circles trying to make yourself perfect. And by the way, you don't need to be perfect to just like have a good relationship with food. Um, All you need to do is to figure out those ties, those mental ties that you have to the food and then reprogram them. And once, so once you figure out the mental ties, like there's a reason that you're going to food instead of hanging out with your family or, or drinking or whatever other reasons or other things we do. So you just figured out what those are and you reprogram them. So that's kind of what we had talked about before the various reasons like, Oh, it tastes good or whatever, or it takes so much time. We reprogram that in you a little bit, maybe I'm hoping that, you know, you start to think you do have time for it. So once you've reprogrammed all those, you're kind of set yourself free, just like we were talking about with the vegan thing or one time I had some really nasty macaroni and I never had mac and cheese again after that. Right. Like it was a reprogramming and I never had mac and cheese. Right. So anyways, once you reprogram, then you're all set. So now I lost my train of thought. What were you originally saying? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I have no idea what, uh, what I will. Oh, okay, okay. I remember now. I remember. Okay. You said taste oh. good. You said ketchup. So I was going to tell you on the other, we went back to you before you were saying it tastes good. So you can wait, you know, one way to make it taste good is just like only healthy food, wait for your taste buds to readjust and it finally start tasting good. But whenever I was trying to figure out how do I help people reprogram their brain faster right? Like how do I, what are the shortcuts? I'm all about fast. Okay. (laughs) And efficient. Okay. So I was like, what are the shortcuts? So I learned this technique where you can just move your thoughts around kind of like a filing cabinet. It's kind of random, but like a filing cabinet, you can just like take your thoughts and just like move. Like, I don't want to believe that anymore. And you can literally just like move it into a different spot. You know, you're with me here. But uh, with this process, one of my friends was saying, you know, my big problem though, is that it tastes good, right? And like, like you're gonna be able to do that and do anything for that, Michelle. And I was like, well, let's try this method, okay? So we took this idea that healthy food tastes gross and we moved it like a filing cabinet. We said that you don't believe that anymore, right? You believe that's wrong, okay? <laughs> and then she said, unhealthy food tastes bad. So, so we moved like unhealthy food tastes bad and 
And we put that down there and then we said, healthy food tastes good. And we said, let's make that true in your brain. Like, let's just move it. And she's like, oh, I'm kind of salivating, getting excited about my salad now. And, but I don't know that like this little crazy thing we're doing, that's not not, going to do anything for me. So she went home two days later, I get a message from her uh, on my messenger. And she says that night I went home and I made a salad or, you know, I was happy to have my salad, but it was pizza night for everybody else. Okay. Who's had this happen? <laughs> it's pizza night for everybody else. So I thought I'll just have one slice, right? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so then she types, I didn't finish it because it tasted gross. Okay. And then a couple of days later, she tried, or the next day, she tried to go to Bob Evans because they're going to celebrate. That's their favorite restaurant. She got all of her favorite stuff. And then she sent me a picture of her plate where she didn't finish most of it because it tasted gross. Because she had that training, that, that, that mental association training of like, okay, pizza yeah. is gross, salad Delicious. Yeah. So in just like, wouldn't that be cool? Right. Like in just like two minutes, we just did this little trick and she, it it reprograms your taste buds. It's it's wild. Your brain's amazing, by the way, guys. It's cool. (laughs) Now, would you have, okay. So, so. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You froze for a second. Go ahead. (laughs) I have this very, very weird phobia, and it is associated with food. I saw the movie Arachnophobia as a kid, and I'm terrified of spiders. Yeah. Somebody reaches into, like, a bag of chips, and they're eating them, and they feel something weird. So they dump the bag out, and a giant spider falls out of it. Because of that reason, I can't ever eat chips out of a bag. I don't—I love tortilla chips— but I will only eat them if you give them to me on a plate. I refuse to touch the bag. Do you have any tips of how I can change this? <laughs> well, like, that doesn't sound like a problem to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it kind of goes back. I love that example, though, because it goes back to a lot of things. Like I was telling you with my friend uh, with the McDonald's, it's just like a super strong association with, you know, you're associating food with something good or food with something bad. And it's those strong associations and even the more subtle ones that make it so hard for us to change the way that we eat. And it's not that you don't have willpower. It's not that you're like not strong enough or that you're not smart enough or all the things. It's not that you don't have a good relationship with yourself. It's just because, yeah, you've had experiences like that in the past that maybe you don't even notice that you had that like make it physically impossible for you to eat chips out of a bag. Right. And so, um, really there's several techniques that you can use to, um, to reprogram your brain. Some of them, I mean, the ones that I use are, are different than, but there's, there's really is a large range of things, but essentially what you're doing is, is reconditioning your brain to believe something else. So, uh, sometimes it is like a trapped emotion, that you, it's probably a trapped emotion since it was so traumatic. A lot of times there's a trapped emotion and you can release that trapped emotion. And whenever you do that, it gives you the space to, to 
tell your brain to believe something else. I'm not, I'm not giving you details because it takes a little longer to talk, but one way, one way to release trapped emotions is through tapping, like emotional freedom tapping, which you can check out. There's like a bunch of um, YouTube videos. That's like one easy way. Again, I like to go for the fast ones. <laughs> so I know there's one that you can just uh, do like use muscle testing and release it uh, just instantly. I'm into instant guys, <laughs> instantly stuff. So um, yeah, but anyways, I guess another way would of course just be through conditioning, you know, and like making yourself do it. But I, that one's a lot more painful than I guess I would recommend that you like find someone, you know, do tapping or find someone, a coach who kind of knows some of those techniques, like hypnotherapy type stuff would work for you too. You know, there's like a lot of options, but I don't know. Does that help at all? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Michelle, this is, I think this is more of rambling commentary than questions. So bear with me here um so i mean I, i'm just thinking like as we're you know having this conversation of of you know my relationship with food over the years and it it, it just seems to go between stress and comfort eating and uh and i guess also in some ways like depression eating you know what i mean so uh, like McDonald's, I think me and Andrew, like the, we, we seem to have a, a common thread of talking about McDonald's at least like once every other show. And for me, it's like that it, it's, it's, it's the drug. It's, it's, it's like the drug on the street that you shouldn't be having, but you have it anyway, because you need that quick fix. And then of course you feel like crap afterwards and you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, for me, you know, that kind of fast food, it either represents like, oh God, I'm so hungry and I'm so stressed out by work. I just need something to just like, you know, unwind and take my mind off of things and just, you know, relax and help me take a nap. And fast food has that. So there's that. And then, um, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and that's basically what it is. I mean, if that makes sense, I think it's just like, it's, it's just this stress, comfort, uh, depression thing that, that really that really solves what you need it to be solved and you know obviously when you're in the moment and you're trying to get that quick fix you're not thinking of like the long-term consequences which is you know oh god i you know i could feel constipated my moods could be like back and forth i i i could you know lose energy just as fast as i gain energy um so i mean i i don't know i mean how how does one you know deal with that how does how does one uh, you know kind of just stop one day and say okay like how can i transition out of that and maybe think of like a salad as a way to you know you know allow me to take a deep breath and relax and and feel better about myself than you know some cheeseburger yeah you're going through the list man you got this <laughs> have you seen my list <laughs> um no uh but okay before we get off of mcdonald's though there's something i don't know what mcdonald's does but man it is addictive like it is the number one i remember talking to one lady on messenger and she was like i just can't 
get rid of McDonald's. Like I just can't not go to McDonald's. I try and I try and I try, but at the end, I just am at McDonald's and I'm like, I don't know what it is, man, but what they're putting in there. But anyways, it's suspect. It is the drug on the street. So I'm feeling, yeah, it's, it's real. Um, with the comfort. So essentially like, how do I stop stressing? That's what you're asking me, right? How do I stop when I'm feeling stressed? How do I tell, how do I stop in the moment? You know, like I said, we know the long-term consequences. Part of us like wants to not do that. But then in the moment yeah. you're like, whatever, I'm stressed right now and I deserve a break or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I, my method is to say that or is, is to help you condition yourself so that your brain stops lying to you. Okay. That's how I put it. So kind of going back to the time thing example before, like, oh, it takes so much time. It's whatever. Like now we kind of, we built this new story that actually, you know, it's taking more time by eating that stuff. Cause then you're taking a nap and then you're not, you're not able to think. And then, you know, you're spending as much time anyway, you kind of can do the same thing with, um, with stress at the same time, um, that, you can just really dive into thinking and questioning, right? So I said before, the first step is to just be aware, like what's even going on? What am I telling myself? What, you know? And then the second thing is to start questioning what it is that you believe, right? So the it, if you truly believed, if you truly believed that it didn't help you with stress at all, it didn't comfort you at all, then whenever you were tempted, you would just be like, oh, like, that's a lie. Like, that's not even going to help me. Right. So for me, I, I like to say (laughs) if, if food actually did comfort people, then Americans would be like the happiest people on earth. Right. Because we're all over food. We've got McDonald's on every corner. Right. If it really helped us feel less stressed, we would have no stress in America, period, right? But the truth is, like you said, whenever you eat the food, then you feel crappy afterwards. And then it's just like adding to your stress. So for me, the trick is like, we know that, but we like, how do you get yourself to know it deep down is the, is the real problem. So for me, I actually did this experiment one time where I had this list of, you know, I had my list of things at the time when I was trying to stop overeating, I had this list, like, okay, it's my comfort. (laughs) I need it. It tastes good. It's fun. It's all the things. So I had like a a little bit of a list and I decided I was just going to do an experiment. And I went to the, I told myself, I'm going to have whatever I want. (laughs) I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy whatever I usually tell myself I can't have. And so I went and I got myself all the good stuff. And I like to say my favorite thing. <laughs> this is terrible. I'm like, I'm like the worst food coach. I'm like, you know, it's really good. Uh, pretzels with frosting <laughs> were like my downfall. Oh my gosh. Have you tried pretzels with frosting? Don't. Okay. <laughs> it's like chocolate covered pretzels, but better. Anyways. So I got my pretzels and frosting and I got my cookies. I got all my stuff and I put my camera on. Okay. You should definitely do this. Okay. I put my camera on and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to eat this. I'm going to have my video on kind of narrate it, you know? And what I found was 
I was a little bit stressed to begin with. And then I'm starting to think about all this food I'm eating that I normally don't let myself eat. Then I'm like, well, I haven't eaten in a while. Like, just like you were saying with the meat, like I haven't had in a while. Is this going to make my stomach hurt? Or like, what's this going to do to me? I have to teach cycle class tomorrow and I don't want to eat. Like, I don't want to binge all over and then not be able to teach. And so what I, when I was really paying attention, it didn't do anything to my stress, nothing, zero. Like it didn't help it at all. My brain was still going like, ah, and it was just adding to it because then I had new thoughts. Okay. So it's not helping at all with your stress. And then what I did notice it did though, was man, your head, like it tasted good, right? <laughs> it was like, my brain was doing the thing where it's all celebrating and like, oh my gosh, this is like so amazing. It's a fabulous, it's like so much fun. Like, how can I not think this is so much fun? And it, it tasted amazing for about three minutes. Right. And then it started to not taste as good. And then it only lasted like seven minutes or so. Um, And then when I went back and I watched the video again, because inside your head, whenever you're tasting it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is the best experience of my life. And whenever you watch the video, it looks like, "Mm -hmm." okay, it looks so boring, guys. So <laughs> like, 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 yeah, that looks like a lot of fun, Michelle. <laughs> Glad yeah. you did that. You know? Like, it's not fun at all. <laughs> You're not really comforted. Like, if I really wanted to go and feel better and feel less stressed, like, if I went and hung out with somebody, like we're doing, like, this is way more fun. It looks like fun too, but right. it doesn't look like, you know. And so, anyways, it's a great experiment to do. Just question these things. Mm, oh go go ahead andrew i'm just saying i'm gonna try that out i'm going to yeah yeah do it with your chips i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) so 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 i i i think this might be the unless do you have have a question andrew no i don't okay um yeah i think this might be the last thing before we uh you know get to the point where we want to get in touch with you and we figure that out. Uh, so you, you talk about the relationship between stress eating and one's sex life. Uh, how, how does that um, uh, correlate and talk very carefully? I'm in a relationship. I probably should be writing down notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the last question. Are we going to talk the whole episode on this stuff? Um, <laughs> Yeah. So how stress is okay. So you say it so nicely. I'm like, it's killing your stress life you know? um, or your sex life, not your stress life, your sex life. Uh, so the thing is, I'm going to go back to that experience that I just referenced because a crazy thing happened. And I don't usually tell, I don't know if I've told anybody this like on a podcast. So you guys are lucky, but I hadn't had, um, I had a chocolate cupcake that I bought with this. Okay. When I bite, when I bit into the chocolate cupcake, whenever I was doing my video, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like sex. <laughs> like That's my idea. Like literally it felt like, obviously whenever you have sex, it's a little bit more intense, but like, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I'm feeling the same feeling right now. And it was really weird because I've never, I've never paid attention enough to like really feel the connection, but um, it was wild. Okay. So part, what I want you to know about that is that chocolate and sex, there's a reason they like associate those two. So the thing is though, 
you know, like if you're an alcoholic and everybody knows this about alcoholism and just alcohol in general, that like you build up a tolerance to alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So you start out uh, with just a little bit and then you need more and more to get a buzz essentially. Well, what's happening is that you have, um, I don't know all of the, I don't always say all the words, right? Like the specific scientific words, but essentially what's happening is you have a a stimulation that's going on. And because your brain wants to protect itself, once it hits a certain point, then it starts sending in a a different chemical to kind of dampen down your stimulation, right? So when you're building up a tolerance, it's, it's because your brain has started to send more of that like, calm down chemical into your body. Right. So, um, and then that's why it's making you do more and more and more. But what happens across the board is that your ability to be stimulated across the board is actually going down. Okay. So whether it's alcohol or if it's like food and sugar, um, or some other stimulant, whenever you're getting stimulated over and over your ability, your sensation, your ability to feel sensation is going down across the board. So that means your sex life as well. So the more, the less stimulation that you have in general, <laughs> in your life in general, then um, that will start to rebalance itself again. So essentially you're going to become more sensitive to the pleasures of life. So the pleasures of natural tasting food, but also the sexual pleasures that we enjoy as well. So that's a piece of it. And then the other piece that I like to tell gentlemen that you don't always, that no one's telling you, by the way, let's shout it out. <laughs> let's talk. Oh man, you know what I've got? I've got a great book for you guys. I think I've got it right here. Oh man. Oh, oh Lord. Oh man, I do- I put it over in my bookshelf. Okay. Sorry, we have to spare you the book, but I'll tell you the name is called The Penis Book. You should definitely watch that. You should definitely read this. Anyways, so the point is that what we eat affects our blood flow. And if you want to have good sex, you need good blood flow for a variety of reasons. We don't have time to get into all of that on the podcast. But if you want to, um, the thing that actually, the thing, the biggest thing that slows down blood flow is the amount of fat that you have in your diet. Okay. So they've shown it even like within hours of eating something that it's measurable, scientifically measurable, that it affects your blood flow and your performance in all areas of life from just a couple of hours. So the junk food that we eat, like McDonald's, especially this is what, here's a good motivating factor <laughs> to get rid of McDonald's, right? I, another way to get rid of stress eating is to really find a different motivator that is really compelling. So um, whenever you go to like McDonald's and you're eating a greasy hamburger, when you're eating greasy chips, when you're eating greasy uh, French fries, anything that's high fat, high animal products for sure is uh, it's affecting your blood flow into your heart, but it happens to that nether regions first. Uh, so with, if you're having erectile dysfunction or any kind of problems like that, it's like a huge, huge, huge red flag that heart disease is just down the pipe, a couple years down the pipe for you. So there's all of that for you guys. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, and- 
very, 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 very good to know. I, I just found it funny that as we were talking about this conversation, my girlfriend just walked into the room. So <laughs> she probably was just like, hey, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah she, 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 she's out to get out the dogs right now, but I'm pretty sure it's just like, wow, I just walked in and all of a sudden I hear erectile dysfunction and, and blood flow. <laughs> Donald. I'll look at you up later. Let's like, <laughs> this is good. This is good. No, um, my husband is like super supportive, but he's not vegan. But whenever we finally learned that uh, association is whenever he finally gave up cow's milk. <laughs> so I got him. I'm like, let's get the right motivation going here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. So uh, food coach, Michelle Vil- Vilcek. I, I'm Vilsec. getting that right. That's okay, Vilsec. Yep. Vil, Vils, Vilsec. That that's that's a first for me. I, I got the last name right in the beginning, and then I screwed it up at the end. That is a first for me. Uh, so, food coach Michelle Vilsec. It's been a great conversation with you right here on the Anything Show. Um, can you please tell me, like, all this valuable advice that you've given us today? Uh, how can we find it in physical form? Like, how can we? What, what what do you do to 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 sell this basically <laughs> yeah yes yes um something super easy so a couple of super easy things um i can give you guys a link to the I'll, I'll give you the link you put in the show notes to the 10 thoughts that i was talking about i have a just a easy pdf with the top 10 reasons why you eat why you eat and it has links to my podcast episodes that kind of go over each of those but the other super easy thing to do would be to come to win the food fight live so i have an event i run it once or twice a month it's a four-hour event where i dive in deep on uh exactly how you reprogram your brain we go through a bunch of those thoughts that i had mentioned and it just really gives you some of the nutritional information you need, but also the how do you reprogram your brain information you need in order to just really get a handle on this so that you can release the next 15 pounds or so with ease. So you're, I like to say, so you can end the struggle with food and weight. I just like things to be done. I don't want to have to keep babysitting myself about it. So if you want to end it, then it's, you can go to winthefoodfightlive.com. So that's W-I-N. Okay. So that's, so, so that is a virtual event that we can attend. It is a virtual event. Yes. Okay. Now, now is it, is it just happening like year round or is it, is it like a specific day that we are going to win the food fight live? Yes, we are going on. I've moved it to Saturdays for the most part. I find that works for most people, but yeah, it's every two to four weeks. I hold it every two to four weeks. So if you go to win the food then it'll have the latest date on there of when we're holding it next. So you can just sign up and come on over. Uh, I also have a podcast called win the food fight. So it's easy to remember. <laughs> And if people want to uh, get in touch with you for advice, you know, much like the advice that you gave us on the show tonight, uh, how how can they do that? Where can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. They, uh, you can email hello at winthefoodfight.com or uh, I'm on Facebook most most actively on Facebook because I have a Facebook group there as well that's called Win the Food Fight. <laughs> and uh, we do uh, free virtual events there, especially if you're vegan or plant-based. It's mostly plant-based vegan people who come together and we um, build each other up and blast through barriers that we've got. And it's just a fun community. So those 
uh, I, they're called, I call them virtual garden parties, but we can just come hang out and ask me questions there as well. But at Win the Food Fight Live, I also answer your questions. So you DM me, you could come to one of those events and I am around to help you. Awesome. And Michelle Vilsack, uh, your, your name is spelled very uniquely. So I'll spell it just for the sake of uh, the audio portion of this podcast. M-I-C-H-E-L-E. And last name is V-I-L-S-E-C-K. Yes. Love it. Love it. Uh, food coach Michelle Vilsack. Uh, Andrew, I'm sorry, the Zoom delay. Uh, where, where, where did you want to say one last thing before we go? Oh, I was just saying perfect. I have enjoyed this a lot. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I knew. I knew from the moment that we had a food coach and a vegan at the same Zoom meeting, I just knew that this was a match made in heaven. So I, I, I knew I knew this would be nothing short of an orgasmic experience for you, Andrew. <laughs> Speaking of blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> the Anything Show with John Francois on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Join us on YouTube, Facebook.com slash The Anything Show, and Instagram and TikTok at Anything Show Francois. Join Andrew Vandertunt on Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy wherever you get podcasts, and on Instagram and TikTok at AJ Vandertunt.